The first time he visited the Plain of Jars, Sulya Bunzaiti was a university student. He'd been hearing about these giant ancient jars carved from rock since he was in elementary school. Why did your family decide to go see the Plain of Jars? Oh, because everyone wants to visit it for one time of their life. Ah, like a bucket list. Yes, because it is so amazing place that's very important size for the Laos people. Sulia and his family had driven eight hours from their hometown, all the way to the Shenkwang province in central Laos. There were big mountains blanketed by the jungle, in between them rivers and valleys full of rice fields. And there were also the jars. They're clustered in groups on the plain and in the forests. They're carved out of rock. They're round and have a rim around the opening at the top. Kind of like cookie jars, but without lids. Except for the fact that they're gigantic. The smallest ones are three feet tall, and the biggest ones are more like 10 feet. Do you remember what it was like seeing it for the first time? Ah, uh, <laughs> the jar taller than me. That is a big jar. Yes, yes. And the, di- <laughs> the, the dimension of the jar about two meters and a half. Wow, so you could crawl inside of one if you wanted to. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. There are more than 2,000 of these jars in Laos, and that's just counting the ones that have been found so far. Archaeologists have worked out that the jars have been here for thousands of years. But how they got here, what exactly happened in the past, that is a mystery Sulia and other archaeologists are only just starting to unravel. I'm Sarah Wyman, and this is Atlas Obscura, a celebration of the world's strange, incredible, and wondrous places. Today, we are heading to Laos to visit one of the most important prehistoric sites in Southeast Asia. We'll learn more about the jars and how they got there, the generations of archaeologists who've worked to uncover their secrets, and what makes this one of the most dangerous archaeological dig sites in the world. That's after this. If you're looking for a place where the wide open skies and the towering mountains inspire you to find an untapped part of yourself, you might want to take a trip to Wyoming. It's a place where bold, curious spirits forge their own way on all types of adventures. There is no shortage of iconic, expansive landscapes out there. You can discover breathtaking hikes, stunning state parks, authentic Western culture, and other historic sites— along with the tales of famous outlaws like Butch Cassidy and pioneers like Buffalo Bill Cody. The truth lies west. Discover yours at TravelWyoming.com. Explore a new destination every day with Celebrity Cruises. Whether you sail to Europe, the Caribbean, or Alaska, it's an absolutely incredible ship with delicious restaurants, nonstop entertainment, and the best rooms at sea. And now you can book with Celebrity's semi-annual sail. To book, go to Celebrity.com, call 1-800-CELEBRITY, or contact your travel advisor. Offer applies to select sailings. Savings amount varies by destination. Other terms apply. Visit Celebrity.com for details. Ships Registry, Malta, and Ecuador. 
there's not a lot of uh, enduring mysteries out there. And the point of jars is not giving up its secrets easily, that's for sure. This is Dr. Dugald O'Reilly. He's an associate professor of archaeology and anthropology at Australian National University. How did both of you become interested in this area of research? Well, we've worked in Cambodia for quite some time. And in 2013, we had the opportunity to um, organize and host a meeting with our Lao colleagues. And that's Dr. Louise Schuen. She's an archaeological scientist at the University of Melbourne. She and Dugold have been working together for around 15 years now, most recently on the Plain of Jars. And then we became absolutely obsessed with the jar sites and were lucky to start working there with a really fantastic team of Lao archaeologists. And what was it that made you obsessed? Was it the mystery that kind of hooked you and pulled you in? Yes, definitely the mystery and the sheer size of these jars. These landscapes are totally mesmerising. It is just such a confounding problem that hasn't been explored for, you know, in a, in a major way since the 1930s. Here's what we know about the jars. First of all, there are thousands of them. And as far as anyone knows, they've been sitting on mountain ridges, slopes, and plains in Laos for the past 2,500 years or so. In terms of what they look like, some of them are sitting out in the open, totally exposed, but others have been found buried. The jars are mostly clustered in groups, sometimes with as many as several hundred arranged in one spot. They can have patterns carved around their rims. On a couple of rare occasions, archaeologists have found artifacts inside of the jars, but most of the time, they're empty. Here's what we don't know about these jars. We don't know who created them or what they were originally used for. We also don't know how these gigantic, heavy stone objects were moved kilometers across mountains and plains. Where did the people who made them live? And how widespread was their culture? Scholars have been interested in those questions for centuries. But the first published research about the jars that we're aware of was done in the 1930s by a French archaeologist named Madeleine Colani. She was in her uh, mid to late 60s when she first um, undertook her research uh, at the Plain of the Jars in the 1930s. And she and her sister um, traveled there um, after hearing reports of these megaliths in the mountains. Um, and she set out to document um, as many sites as she could. That ended up being about 20 jar sites. And in addition to the jars themselves, Madeline Kalani found some human remains and what she thought could be a crematorium. She was the first researcher to suggest that the jars might be burial urns. Um, her work was phenomenal when you think she was walking around, sleeping in the forest, just with her sister, um, without much communication. So the work she did was quite amazing. Right. And also, I imagine as a woman in the 1930s, too, that, that that was pretty trailblazing. Yeah, I think she was a pretty tough cookie. But then, in 1955, the Vietnam War started, and it spilled into neighboring Laos. It lasted 20 years, and the amount of ammunition American bombers dropped on Laos was more than the total amount dropped during all of World War II by anyone. 
On average, the U.S. hit Laos with one B-52 bomb load every eight minutes, 24 hours a day. If you actually drive from Luang Prabang to Xinquang, it's actually a really beautiful drive. But the terrible part is seeing how pocked the landscape is with these bomb craters. And then you realise that um, there's something like 80 million sub-munitions that are still unexploded. These leftover bombs are called UXOs, or unexploded ordinances. And even though the war ended almost 50 years ago, these bombs are still killing and maiming people in Laos. Because a lot of the UXOs are on agricultural land, Lao farmers have to choose between their livelihood and their own personal safety. Which risk is bigger, starving to death or triggering a UXO? Today, only about 10% of the now more than 100 known jar sites in Laos have been cleared of UXOs. And still, not all of them are safe for archaeological excavations, which, you know, involves digging three to six feet into the ground. Every day when we're working at the Plain of Jars at about three o'clock, there's an enormous explosion. And that's the work of the UXO teams. So they're every day out there collecting these um, and uh, large bombs, 250-pound or 500-pound bombs, um, and they, they, they pile them up and then blow them up every day at 3 o'clock. It's a rather poignant reminder of the, uh, the difficulties that the farmers and the people of Xianquang and other provinces in Laos uh, have to endure on a daily basis. The second wave of archaeological research on the Plain of Jars picked back up in the 1990s. And this time, a Lao archaeologist was part of the research team. His name was Tongsa Sanyavongkhamdi. Tongsa died last April. But most of the archaeological research happening in Laos today can still be traced back to him. He was one of the first archaeologists in Laos, and he played a huge role in really creating a new discipline for the Lao archaeologists who followed in his footsteps. Would it be accurate to say he's kind of the father of archaeology in Laos? Yes, I, I, I can say that. I can say that he's the father of archaeology in Laos. Again, that's Sulia Bunzaiti. After his first visit to the Plain of Jars, Sulia went on to study archaeology himself. He now works for the Lao Department of Heritage, and Tongsa was one of his first bosses. He's a very nice guy, and he taught me a lot about the archaeological, how to work in the field work. He taught me a lot. Him, he was my boss, my teacher, my father. I love him. Everyone, everyone loves him. Tongsa's most lasting contribution to the Plain of Jars is probably the lengths he went to to ensure the sites would be protected. It's thanks to him the Plain of Jars was declared a UNESCO World Heritage Site in 2019. And he's also been a huge part of securing legal protections for artifacts in Laos and training a new generation of Lao archaeologists. And it, I mean, in our last excavations there before uh, the COVID pandemic, we actually returned to um, one of his original excavations at Site 1 and expanded the, uh, the area that he was digging. Um, so his, his research um, continues to uh, inform us. Louise, Dugold, and Sulia have all been working on the Plain of Jars as part of the same team since 2016. They've made some important discoveries. 
They figured out that the jars at one site likely came from a stone quarry about eight kilometers away. The one jar that's over three meters in height, that one we've estimated to weigh 30 ton. So how that was brought from the quarry sites, mind boggling, whether it was elephants or on rollers or by some other mechanism. And like Madeline Kalani, they've also found human remains, both inside and outside of the jars. But this time, they've been able to date them. So now we know they come from a pretty large range of time periods. And we have a span of dates from the 8th to the 13th century AD. But the fact that we have three different types of burial ritual would indicate that these sites have maintained important um, ritual significance for quite some time. The jars are definitely associated with burial rituals, but it's hard to say whether they always have been or if they were originally built for a different purpose. There's some folklore to suggest that they were used for decanting whiskey, some other suggestions that human remains were decanted in them and then once they were defleshed that individuals were buried around the jars. But clearly they have a mortuary ritual significance. Dugold and Louise emphasized that as they continue to search for answers at the Plane of Jars, one of the most important questions is how do we continue to protect this place? How do we best make sure that it will still be here thousands of years from now so that other Lao people and visitors from around the world can experience that sense of pride and wonder for the ancient humans who built this? I mean, I've had some interesting discussions when we were working at Site One with a, an older Lao gentleman who was actually from America, um, and he was a refugee. But he, um, I got chatting to him, and he was telling me about his, um, his time as a young boy living not very far from where we were digging um, and telling us about the B-52s flying overhead and how his family had to um, all jump into a hole in his backyard and the, how the ground shook and... Um, how terrifying it was um, to to live at that time. And of course, these people weren't involved in the conflict. These were um, global geopolitical issues that, you know, a 10-year-old boy had little understanding of. So it was rather moving, actually, um, having a chat with him and his return and and his pride uh, to, to visit the Plain of Jars. Part of Sulia's job at the Lao Department of Heritage is to help educate more people in Laos about this history and how they can help preserve it. He told me he's led workshops in rural communities where he's explained what he does as an archaeologist and what members of the community can do to help if they happen to come across prehistoric artifacts. It happens more often than you'd think. Like Tong Sa before him, Sulia is helping to make it possible for other Lao archaeologists to continue this research in the future. They'll be able to further the study of the Plain of Jars and other prehistoric sites to fill in the story of where they come from. The history can tell what happened in the past, can tell about the story of the country. The archaeology is the part of the his, history. So if you don't learn about the archaeology, you don't know the history. So that's why important.
Huge thanks to Louise Schwinn, Dougald O'Reilly, and Sulia Bunzaiti for taking the time to talk to me for this story. If you'd like to learn more about the research that they're currently doing in Laos, you can visit the link in our show notes. Our podcast is a co-production of Atlas Obscura and Witness Docs. This episode was edited by Tracy Samuelson. Our production team includes Dylan Therris, Doug Baldinger, Camille Stanley, Willis Ryder-Arnold, Sarah Wyman, Manolo Morales, Baudelaire Seuss, Gianna Palmer, John Delore. This episode was sound designed and mixed by Luce Fleming. Our theme and end credit music is by Sam Tyndall. I'm Sarah Wyman. Thanks for listening. Witness Docs from Stitcher. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Now playing in Los Angeles. Exquisite food and drink. World-class art everywhere. Spectacular sports and dazzling Hollywood attractions. L.A. offers... The full variety of food scene, from game-changing taco trucks to 35 Michelin stars. And did you know that Los Angeles has more museums and theaters than New York? It is indeed scandalous, but also unfortunately true. So get your fix in music, film, comedy, or world-class museums in L.A. Plus, you can get a behind-the-scenes movie magic with a world-famous studio tour. That is something that should be on everybody's bucket list. Start here with discoverla.com.